Hi, and welcome to the EMG podcast. I'm back here with Sen. Hi, Sen. How are you doing? Hi, Spencer. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, very well. Um, so today we're going to touch on the world of content marketing. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, as the saying goes, content is king and it's somehow the holy grail for any marketer. It really is part of every company's marketing strategy in any shape or form. So it allows companies to think like publishers, become storytellers and thought leaders. So yeah, we're going to be talking about various platforms today that you can produce content and publish that on. Perfect. Okay, so to start us off, in terms of content you've published, are there any any examples you can give us that you're most proud of and, and any particular reasons why? There are so many. From from having worked in print publishing and now in digital publishing as well, I've had the opportunity to be involved in many publications with amazing content pieces. But for the sake of this particular topic, I'll keep it relevant to content marketing itself. So I'll refer to one piece that I've written myself in my old company, and it was about measuring the return of your content marketing initiatives. And I refer to this idea of imagine you're in a supermarket and you have decided to have a healthy month or you know you're, you're gonna you're reinventing Doesn't yourself <laughs> but, but imagine you do and you're in a cereal aisle so you want to make a healthy decision when it comes to cereal right so you consider and compare various cereal boxes and you end up going for the ones that have got the lowest calories because that makes sense, right? Something with the lowest calories is probably a healthier option. But that one indication doesn't paint the whole picture. What determines the healthiest choice is the combination of nutritional values like sugar, macronutrients, etc. So that goes to marketing as well. Though it's tempting to measure success by straightforward metrics like shares and open rates and click-throughs, they're not the best indicators for brand health, leads and conversion. So I've written this article a year or so ago, and things have definitely improved and changed uh, in the marketing world since then, but we're still nowhere near where we should be. So it's basically this whole idea of not just looking at the vain metrics, but looking at the in-depth stuff and, and really seeing whether there are other ways that you can measure success of, of content marketing, be that as such. So the devil is in the detail, so to speak. Pretty much, yeah, exactly. And what's your favorite content to produce for social media platforms? That, I think it very much depends on what platform you're looking at. Um, so, for example, if I'm on Instagram, I'm not interested in long-form journalism. I'm interested in pictures and, and short videos, etc. If I'm on LinkedIn, then I'm more likely to consume long-form articles. But I think my favourite way of consuming content would certainly be video. So be that YouTube, be that short clips shared on all the other social media platforms. And the great thing about video is it can be integrated into every social media platform out there. Instagram is slightly more challenging because you've got time uh, restraints, etc. So you can only really do a certain amount of seconds. But it is really a great way to consume it and then listen. If you're not particularly like me, if you're a slow reader or not a very good reader, it's a good way to consume content. And then that's the one that we try to do a lot here as well now, increasingly so, be that interviews, be that sharing teasers for upcoming publications over video as well. And those are the ones that we have the most engagement with as well. Um, so I would say that's probably my favourite uh, platform. So I'm, I'm hearing hearing more and more that uh, you know the shorter the content, the better. So if it's a mm. video or a read, just keep it short and sweet. And, and if you want to have uh, you know a story, you can make lots of shorter exactly uh, bits of content that add together to make that. Exactly, we're going to start to do that with the interviews that we've got. So make every question and answer one short video because it yeah. can be anywhere from a minute to two. So it's a better way of digesting it, I guess, and it makes it easier for you to then chop that up and have a more kind of long form social media strategy as well. So rather than just sharing the interview on one day, you can share it across a week with each question or each little snippet. So the content lasts a bit longer as well that way. Yeah. 
so I think the, the next thing we were going to talk about is the the platforms that you use. Um, have you got any favourites there that you use? Um, I'm a typical millennial and I like consuming my Me content <laughs> on social media platforms like Instagram, uh, which is probably the one that I'm most active on and the one that I've got the most following on as well because I've been growing it for a while. But again, it's important to know that that's not really the platform that I would go to to you know consume professional long-form journalism. Um, so Instagram is probably my top one. I also love LinkedIn from not only professional perspective, I think I get a lot out of it from a non-professional perspective as well, from a content perspective. Uh, lots that I learn, news breaking, etc. And I go there to publish uh, blocks myself as well occasionally, which I'll go into in a bit more detail later, perhaps. But I would say Instagram and, and LinkedIn are probably my favourites. What about you? I think you're, you, you you hit the nail on the head there. I think it depends on where you've got the biggest following, what suits mm-hmm. your style best but you've got to then try and marry that into your audience as well. And um, So I was thinking about this the other day, actually, and I've, I've got about 12,000 connections on LinkedIn, and it was only afterwards that I realised that that's probably why I spend most of my time on yeah. there, because I'm getting the most interaction and the most feedback and the most comments on there. So I, I, I quite like commenting on there. I put the blog on there and stuff. Twitter I tend to use if I'm at Congress. Yes. Seems, seems to be more interaction there when you're at Congress, uh, I've found. Absolutely. Videos I can't stand. Um, <laughs> podcasts I love doing. Um, and again, I guess I think that comes back to I feel more at ease talking yeah. about stuff than I do being on video. Yeah. Instagram I've dabbled in, um, but I've not seen much much use so far from my point of view in terms of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, and Facebook I tend not to use for healthcare. Uh, I share yeah. some company stuff on there, but LinkedIn yeah. for me is definitely the one that's that's getting the most traction. Awesome. So when you're sharing the gold content, which you regularly do on Twitter... How do you decide which topics to focus on, which will ultimately create the connection with your audience that you're after? Good question. So we do a mixture of things to make sure that the content we produce is actually the content that our audience wants to read. So we attend congresses, which are leading the way in the industry. And through those congresses, we not only get exclusive insights into what the top discussions are in the industry and therefore what it is that we should be discussing but we also get to speak and and ask people directly and that's very important we make sure that we ask our readers about what it is that they want to read and also try to understand what challenges they face in the industry so therefore that's a kind of topic that we want to be talking about or investigate further so for us it's all about knowing who our audience is and then just asking them because I think people often forget to just ask people people are more than happy to provide feedback especially if they like what they've seen from you so far the content and they want to help you then they're more than happy to get in touch with you and answer your question in terms of what it is that they'd like to see more of so whenever we've interviewed someone or whenever we we quote people we make a thing to also ask them about what they would like to read about or what their main challenges are in the industry and as I said therefore those are the areas that we want to help them with uh, and write about uh, and educate them about so to say um, so yeah it's, I think it's all about just asking people and therefore being able to deliver that to them because then then you get the most engagement. Yeah, I think I'd agree. I think that's great for the for the sort of longer term strategic planning of the of the magazines. Mm-hmm. One thing that I'm I'm sort of been talking about a bit more recently is is jumping on the what's trending bandwagon, so to speak. So uh, trying to keep up to date with the social yes. media as and when it's happened, particularly as we talked about just a moment about in terms of when you're at a congress, mm-hmm. looking at those hot topics, looking at the hashtags. Uh, is that something you focus on at all? Yes, we do have a more kind of a strategy, particularly for Twitter, because uh, we do get quite a bit of engagement there as well, and it's the best way to reshare and redistribute content as well. But absolutely, if there is a specific event on, for example, one that I always think of as International Women's Day, uh, then we'll make sure to tweet something or write something about women uh, in leadership 
leadership roles in the pharma industry, etc. Because I think there's only so much that you can plan, but you also with your content strategy have to be very agile in order to see things that might have not really been coming quite in a, in a short term perspective and being able to cater that. So yeah, anything trending, um, any big milestone events in the industry, etc. We'll make sure to also kind of direct our content that way and, and produce content that way too. Yeah, I mean, I, I just just as an example, not healthcare related, but at the weekend, uh, obviously George Bush passed away. Yes. And I saw a letter that he'd written to um, to Bill Clinton when he took over. Yeah. And I, I put a post up there on Saturday morning, and I might normally get a thousand, two thousand views on stuff. And over the weekend, that got five thousand views. So oh. it just shows you, if it's if it is trending, it can make a real difference to the Absolutely. amount of people that are looking at the content you're putting out there. Absolutely. So we've been talking about LinkedIn quite a lot now, and you know, you just mentioned that one post that you got quite a lot of engagement on. What generally, what role um, has or does LinkedIn play in your day to day? life I guess what, what what do you think is the best way to utilize that platform so LinkedIn for me is probably the the by far the biggest tool that I use in terms of social media and as I said I think that's probably because I have the the, the, the biggest audience or, or, or number of connections on there so I'm on it pretty much all day every day from from this from first thing when I come into the morning to the yeah. last thing I'll leave at night and so typically I will look at in the morning who's looked at my profile the previous day just mm-hmm. to see if there's anyone there that's of interest for seeing if I can help them out in any way, see if there's any uh, connections, other connections there from me, uh, for me I should say. I'm looking for good content that's going out there so I can engage in that and I can get educated by that. Um, I'm also looking to get involved in some of those conversations there myself as mm-hmm. well. I, I'm in a number of groups where if I've got a a problem I need solving for want of a better phrase then I'll put um, post out myself and ask for advice I if, I, if there's something I feel particularly passionate about like the the George Bush letter we were just talking about I will put a post out there maybe once or twice a month in terms of a bit of a longer blog type post post and then I'm constantly getting messages on there from people so I'm replying to those and then uh, if I've had any good meetings I'll look to connect with people mm. on there throughout the day and and if I'm looking for any new opportunities or services i'll look at my connections to see who who they know to see if i can help them or they can help me Mm -hmm. connect with those people so yeah i'm on it pretty much all day (laughs) and from from being such a big user and fan of linkedin and from also having worked in the healthcare industry for such a long time how do you think the industry is doing in terms of utilizing linkedin the, the way that you do i think depending on which side of the um which side of the the industry you look at if it's the from a healthcare professional side I, I don't find many doctors on there at all. It's, mm. it's quite rare. I, I don't know what the percentage is of our half a million um, database of doctors, mm-hmm. how many of them would actually be on LinkedIn, but I'm certainly not connected to that many of them. And the, mm. ones, the ones that are, I find, tend to be very prolific on there. They tend to be on there for a reason, and it's because they, they really believe in it, so they, they're really active on there. However, on the, on the flip side, uh, on the industry side, most of the people I, I sort of get into uh, contact with are, are on there and that again they're, they're pretty prolific on there mm-hmm. so I think it's a, you're either you either believe in it and, and realise the use and, and the power of it and, and therefore you, you do a lot of stuff on there or, or you you just don't get on there at all. It's tricky when you think about that side of the healthcare profession so the doctors etc and the specialists because I don't really think there is necessarily a social media platform that they will really use for professional reasons like you just said it's it's i think not that many are on linkedin and you know let alone use it that much so it's certainly an area that is not really big like social media isn't really big for healthcare professionals from a professional perspective in that sense yeah i think it's quite tricky in terms of that their 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 clients for want of a better word but are, are patients yeah and so it's it's 
you know, it's not the sort of thing you can talk to your patient on a, a social media platform. Although I have been to some congresses where people have said that they, you know, doctors have said that they use WhatsApp to get. Uh, the dermatologist was saying he gets his clients to, to, to wow. or his, his patients, sorry, to send pictures of, of blemishes on their skin mm. if they're worried about them and things like that, just so he can put their mind at ease or say, actually, you better come in and have another conversation. And yeah. the, the question was raised about having people's details on there and saying, you know, what's going to happen if someone gets hold of a photo I've got of a, a blemish on someone's arm? It's not, you know, there's no data there to, to be worried about, really. Um, but interestingly, again, as well, when I talk to healthcare professionals at Congress, one of the main reasons they attend the Congress, other than, uh, you know, after to, to get the education themselves, it's to network with their peers. So I, I think that is something that they probably do struggle to do. You know, yeah. they're, they're in a... Uh, either a surgery or in a practice uh, all day every day they don't get time to go mm-hmm. out and have those conversations so it's uh, and, and as you said there's no social media platform for them to be able to do that really so I think they, they, they love the opportunity to do that at Congress yeah absolutely okay so bearing all of this in mind then the only platform we've not talked to about in, in a lot of detail really is Instagram is this a platform you think that healthcare professionals should be adopting yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a platform that the pharma industry has previously been criticised for not utilising enough. But there are various reasons, predominantly regulatory and ethical reasons, that they haven't really been f- fully embracing that platform. But just look at a company like Allegan and their Actually She Can initiative, uh, which was created for modern female empowerment, celebrating young women and their ambitions. People like Jordan Dunn, who I don't know if you know her, but she's a very famous supermodel in the industry, uh, in the industry. <laughs> in the UK or in the world even um, she was fronting that campaign for a while um, and their Instagram alone has over 35k followers and then when you look at their page it it doesn't mention Allegan once at all it's a quite unique and probably clever way of going about using Instagram so it's they know who their audience is uh, they wanted to engage with uh, with females in this way or even patients to a certain extent and they found an interesting and unique way of going about doing that and doing that very successfully as well getting influences like Jordan Dunn to to front the campaign um, I guess it's just having those brand ambassadors but having a bit more yeah absolutely uh, you, know, go, you have to be a bit bit more careful about uh, what they're saying and doing absolutely they call them influencers in the world of Instagram these days uh, there is also something called patient talent influencer agencies now uh, which I had to look up when someone mentioned what that actually was um, but essentially they link pharma companies to influencers which usually are patients who might be willing to promote their products or share valuable insights about the patient community etc but again there is a very fine line and a, and a fine balance that companies need to find with doing this ethically in the right way rather than any other consumer brand at the moment that use influencers who just promote those products for money so yeah. we are actually going to be writing an article about this in our february issue of gold um so we'll find out more about it as we go as well but it's certainly a big topic and there is a lot of potential there but it's just about doing it the right way that is the challenge at the moment but yeah it's big yeah and um, one of the, we're doing some interesting work with Can Lions at the moment, specifically obviously Can Health. Now they they organise what they call the International Festival of Creativity, and there's a lot of social mm. media talk on there. And one of the things we're looking to do is take some of that great content and the great ideas that they have there, uh, and putting an event on with them to he- to help educate the the marketing industry because I mm-hmm. think there's there's a hell of a lot can be learnt from marketeers outside of healthcare that. Mm. that perhaps they've been uh, historically worried about doing before but I think now it can be done in the right way 
we learn from that. Exactly. We were actually also talking about on our last podcast about how pharma companies are more and more employing people and hiring people outside of the industry. Uh, for example, Ian McKay, uh, the former CFO of HSBC, joining GSK. So that just goes to show that, you know, the pharma industry is open to learning from people outside of the industry and bringing in that knowledge and seeing how they can perhaps do things differently. It'd be interesting to see whether marketing is an area that is, uh, you know, affected as well and whether they are recruiting people outside of the industry uh, to bring in all of that knowledge um, and see how that develops as well. But, uh, but yeah, it's an exciting time. It is, and we're we're at the at the moment looking for a new marketing manager to come in and help with some strategic stuff as well for us. So um, it'll be interesting to get their take on all of this and and see where it leads to over the next twelve months. Absolutely, brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time again today, Sen. Uh, I look forward to speaking to you uh, next week on our innovations podcast. Me too. See you then.